Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Fantasy NBA Today live. We're back, baby. Bruise in the office. You're not in a lounge chair in your yard today. You seem, I don't know, are you more stressed out today by being indoors or is it just too cold? It is. It is not as uh, delightful. It is freezing. It's. It's. It, it was like okay that day. It was probably the last hot day. Sacramento has three days between summer and winter, known as fall. And uh, but it's just three days, so we don't really get to enjoy it at all. But you know, I'm not gonna lie. I love the studio. Good people. Good vibes. <laughs> Mediocre coffee. But it's all good. Who made the coffee? Costco. Oh, there you go. The coffee. <laughs> Thought you're gonna blame it on Ben. And I've been drinking it forever, but I mean, you know, I, I didn't. No, no, no. It's, it's nobody's fault. The Costco's. We'll blame them for most things. Man, but Kirkland. I know I'm getting not sidetracked here, but Kirkland brand stuff. There's like, there's some good stuff mixed in there. Their Costco brand charcuterie that we had at my kid's birthday party was delightful. My wife went overboard. Who ate like, that? Way Who ate overboard. That? The kids didn't eat that. No, the kids the, the, didn't. The eat guests it. didn't eat that. Uh, some of it, a lot of it actually did get it. consumed. The guests guests ate a lot of it, and now there's like three pieces that go in my older kid's lunch as his snack every day. He freaking loves salami. I can't figure this thing out. Anyway, we're starting today's show with the big injury news of the day. Uh, for those that are listening to the recorded version, I am at Dan Baspers. He is the great Aaron Bruski, the legend himself, creator of the Bruski Breakdown, the longest article in the history of fantasy sports. I bring this up because there's actually been a lot that's gone down in the last week. I don't know how much of that, of the, like the big picture stuff we want to talk about, but like on one of my shows last week, I, I mentioned it because it's a big deal. So I'm going to, in no particular order, I know people have been waiting 11 minutes for us to talk about something fantasy. So we'll do this thing fantasy first, but then I also want to get your thoughts on like the seismic shift going on in the industry. Uh, Kawhi Leonard upgraded to questionable right before we went on air. What do we what what should people do at this point? Because there has to be expectations are not going to meet reality over the next at least few games, maybe few weeks. No, I think this is this has been a real bad news start for him. And because the knee is, you know, there's been so much time off and to start the season the way he has on the bench, um, it really suggests that they're managing this almost to see what they can get out of him for like the last that he will have in his career um and that's kind of just like a that's a heavy statement to to make or or just think about because this is one of the really one of the i don't want to say like greatest players of all time but like one of the better nba players and because of how underrated he's been it's it's definitely um i don't think people think of it in that context but we're talking about a guy that was the top defender in the league while also being one of the better like say top 10 at his peak offensive players in the league. So really a dominant presence in the NBA, even though he didn't get that billing, um, this knee stuff has absolutely just been terrible. Um, and it's a deterioration. It's a tendinopathy. It's, it's not getting any better folks. Like, so when he's coming back, the hope will be that he managed this enough to be kind of what we thought he would be, but there's not going to be a full ramp. There's not going to just be a takeoff. It's not going to be, you know, he's playing all the time. It's it's going to probably be 75% of what we had hoped in the preseason. 
50% of what we had hoped in the preseason in terms of his overall effectiveness. Um, and then when he was playing, the explosion wasn't there. He looked like he was trying to play a lot more bully ball. So it's it's worrisome on all fronts. And then it'll disrupt the flow of the Clippers. And I'm not worried about, like, Paul George or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's going to take a little bit for them to rework their team. So eh, good news. But, you know, I think we're, we're all watching with cautious eyes. Yeah, what do you think in terms of, like, how they bring him along? Because the beginning of the season, they did this bring him off the bench thing. He played 20 minutes twice, and then the knee flared up. Do you think they try that again? Do you think there's going to be... I mean, I'm sure in a few hours we'll get an idea of how many minutes they're looking for him to get. I would assume he's nowhere near starters minutes for at least three to four weeks, maybe longer. But it, I mean, it's going to be like 20 minutes for a while, 23 minutes for a while. Like It feels like they're going to want to make sure he's okay at each point. Whereas with a lot of guys coming back from injury, it almost feels like the the minutes cap is just this thing that teams do now. Like, oh, he's 20 today, then he's 24 next time. And they don't even really care how each one goes. But with Kawhi, it feels like they're really going to care how each level goes. Well, this is a guy that's managed his own minutes, you know, from his camp. You know, he's he's really dictated the flow of how he's played. And, and you know, the alternative scenario is like Robert Williams in Boston last year where everybody knew his knee wasn't good and they just ran him out there for like 30 minutes a game. Uh, so it'll definitely be the former scenario where it's it's them managing this very carefully. And th- to, to your point, you know, if it's going to be 25 minutes, it really becomes disruptive to have him with the starting unit. And I think Ty Lu correctly wants to stagger those guys, um, Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. And it at this point might just be his, I don't want to say his future, because maybe he does rehab this thing. Maybe, you know, he gains the strength and in, in, in those surrounding muscles to, to protect this injury. And he could be a 29 minute per game starter, you know, 27 minute per game starter long term. But I would say, you know, if it was, if it was my choice, I would say, hey, look, man, give me good. Give me good 24, 25 minutes per game. You know, we'll fo- we'll feature you when you're on the floor and, um, you know, manage it that way. It would be what, 16% less minutes in the aggregate, protect his career long-term. And then, again, if you're not comfortable having a rotation with placeholder minutes, because teams do this all the time, although they use a starter and give them 18, 20, 25 minutes, but it's just known that that bench reserve is coming in and they're going to play the bulk of the minutes, get the late fourth quarter minutes. Um, I think staggering makes a lot of sense with them. And, and actually, that could be a silver lining. I think if he gets, if you start seeing tags with like, or pardon me, reports with, oh, he's going to, you know, come off the bench and they're going to manage his minutes down to 25 minutes per game. And, you know, uh, back-to-backs are going to be a thing. You know, that values it's already tanked. But once the confirmation of the bad news really sets in, Kawhi Leonard, who will have tons of name value, so I don't even know if he can pull this off, but, you know, he might start getting looked at as like a top 100 guy. And, and if that happens, then I think in a 25-minute roll, you might actually get the reverse buy low here. Um, but that's a couple weeks down the road. What's a reverse buy low? Well, right now, he's, he's, he's like a big name guy. You might even be able to sell him high right now. You know, he's returning, right? Right. You know, people might think that he's, he's the old Kawhi, first-round Kawhi Leonard, second-round Kawhi Leonard. I'm not valuing him I'm probably not valuing him in the top 50. I'm probably not valuing him in the top 75 right now. So, do you think, I mean, in 25 they, minutes, can he get to those stages? If they 
feature him. Absolutely. And that's his style now. He's really turned into a bit of a ball hog. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's possible. I, 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 I kind of want to get ahead of the curve, the, you know, three weeks down the road. Cause like right now, I don't think there's value to be had. I definitely don't want to buy into Kawhi Leonard. I don't think you want to, um, and then selling, I don't think you can do that. Right. right yeah. Now. Like so if somebody waited on him, yeah, that makes sense. If somebody waited on him, they're not going to sell him right now because they just got the good news. They're going to want to see something. But if that something they see is almost as frustrating as him just being out indefinitely, that's where you might be able to get in on him like closer to when value happens. Is that the reverse buy low? That's the reverse buy low. Hey, show, yeah. I got it. It's, it's wait till this thing <laughs> plays out and, and be ready, you know, have your ducks in a row and, and, you know, hopefully find another player that's overvalued to get rid of. Does he explode I, I Marcus Morris here? That was one of the questions actually in the chat room, but I was going to throw it at you anyway, because uh, Mook's been amazing so far this year. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it'll eat at the edges, um, you know, maybe a round or two of degradation, but there's that I don't question. think so. I, I think they need his offense. I think he's kind of those two dudes walk around the NBA like they own the place, and he's just going to keep doing what he's doing. Um, you'll probably see it come out of the the bench guys, you know, others. So again, I don't know how how far we want to go on this, but I haven't talked to you on a show since it happened, and you know, I'll say what we know for sure is that I guess it's been what about about a week or so since. Our good friends, many of whom, Brew, you kind of came up with at Roto World, got let go. That has to that has to be kind of weird for you, you know? These are like people that you've been close with for a long, long time. It, it was like the biggest jaw dropper in the world. Um, you know, I got out of a big meeting for us here at Ethos, and uh, my phone is blown up, and... I just don't understand what they're doing over there. You know, um, they're, they're making, you know, big buys elsewhere within the company. And then the people that built the place, you know, they, they, they turned their backs on them. And it just feels like there's no real leadership over there that, um, you know, that that could come to bear. Um, And, and I mean, you know, it says a lot about our industry. It's, it's really the reason I started Ethos because I could kind of see this happening, you know, and, and I could even sense with leadership over there at the time that there really wasn't a plan and there really wasn't direction to deal with the scarcity issue and, um, you know, the, the improvements at the high, high levels of management, not anybody that I worked with, everybody I worked with was great. Um, they just, it was almost like there was nobody driving the ship. So, um, there was a little bit of a moment where I was like, really glad I built Ethos, or, you know, started Ethos. Like it's, it's, and their loss, I guess, over there really, you know, they're, they're doing their thing over there. What, what we're doing over here is we're trying to build something sustainable over the long term that delivers value with our model to bring sustainability to all of the people involved, whether it's the, customers that buy the product um you know that they can know that the people that are working on the product are happy you know on an upward trajectory and and that we're building sustainability for everybody that um you know participates in the chain and we've been able to do that it's been a great journey it's been tough as all hell i mean 
it, it's been, I, I injured myself in the process, um, you know, doing all those blurbs early on. But um, the it, it was it was like a, the biggest thud in the world. And um, all those guys are super talented. I have no doubt that they'll be able to land on their feet and do extremely well. Um, I think from an industry standpoint, it doesn't really reflect what we have going on in this industry. I just think that over there, they're just, you know, their model might be TV, you know, and TV, you know, pays the bills because they've got the football package. They got all this stuff. Um, but, you know, in terms of like what's going on on the ground with fantasy um, players, um, NBA sports fans, NFL fans, you know, fantasy fans at large, um, how could you get rid of those guys? They, they were like the studs, the, the studs on the roster. It's like, I want to get rid of my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth round pick. <laughs> that Incl- work. Including, and not to exclude <laughs> any of those guys, but including the one who has basically been the face of Roto World's NBA operation for Checks Watch oh, 25 yeah, 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 years, I mean, Doc? And, and, and Doc is a close personal friend, and, and you know, we spent so many nights up late just i mean the three four five and yeah i mean yell at each other. go to bed go to bed were you guys together over there for like a dozen years or something yeah it was a long time and and nba first of all he was there oh right you did football when, first i forgot about like, that <laughs> no, no 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 i did basketball first oh I did okay do some football with evan silva and greg rosenthal and um greg rosenthal is a big big reason i bought the house i bought um, because <laughs> as I walked into a national championship draft, he gave me this brilliant piece of advice that allowed me to draft Larry Fitzgerald, who literally on an 80 yard touchdown run dropped 30 grand, which was my down payment at the time. It was like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm loving this. Uh, thank you, Greg Rosenthal. And I, we were chatting about it the whole time. So it was great. That, I mean, but the whole, the whole vibe there, the people, the Evan Silva's, the Adam Levitt's hands, uh, Mike Gallagher. You know, like everybody involved over there, Ryan Naus, um, Jared Johnson, Jonas, like, you know, those were my people when I was there. Just, I mean, real great people. And then um, obviously outstanding analysts. But Steve, you know, he cut me my break and, um, you know, he, he showed me the ropes. And the one thing that I really, truly respect, and I, and I understand Rick Cordella. I never met Rick. He wasn't my boss, but he now runs NBC um like the entire NBC sports, like Dick Ebersole's old job. That dude's commitment to excellence is like, we share the same ideas and principles of what it takes to make it in this industry and and what you have to do, you know, at the ground level, like the product itself, Um, you know, Steve, Greg, uh, Evan, Adam, Ryan, these are the guys that were there when I was there, Matt Stroop, like they, there's the commitment to excellence to do it the right way to not make mistakes to put in the time to get it right i mean like that's what made roto world go from like the basement to this national brand that then became nbc sports edge and the kind of weirdest decision i've ever seen and then they <laughs> became roto world again and then they're like oh no we're just gonna rip the heart out of that and uh no more of that so uh yeah, it's like it's, a um, skeleton it's, crew, I think. Yeah, and, uh, and and Steve, you know, aside from cutting me my break in this industry, you know, he guided me through everything, and they gave me the freedom to do stuff like the King's recording, and it was just awesome. And and so, um, you know, those guys are super talented, and I expect them to land on their feet 
And yeah, um, no doubt, you know, I don't think this industry is I think this industry is as strong as it as it was before this decision was made over there. So, um, you know, we'll we'll be there to pick up the pieces. You know, ethos will be damn right. Yeah, folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize. You're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. We're thinking about you, all of you guys. Many of them have been on Ethos shows. They've had, obviously, us on. I mean, a couple weeks ago, they were kind enough to have me on their Roto-World draft show. That was like this. They did it last year, too. That was this crazy moment for me where it was like, oh, this is the site I read growing up in this, reading you, Brew, reading Doc, at the time, the early 2000s, and now I'm on their draft show. It's like, oh, incredible. And then this, and sorry, I bashed my keyboard here. This anvil drops, and you're just like, what is, what? Like this, idiotic. I can do that. I don't know anybody over <laughs> runs the place over there. I can be very frank. This ish is freaking idiotic. Uh, and yeah, we've been talking to these guys behind the scenes as well, just like making sure everybody's okay, but... You're right, they will be, because they're damn good at what they do. Um, Other big news is that yesterday we got word that the Kyrie Irving suspension appears to be almost at a close, and that apparently he has taken ownership of the process to sort of rectify this thing, which, to me, actually is a pretty damn good sign. I mean, we still know with Kyrie the next thing could be right around the corner, but the fact that he kind of went away from... And I, I say this, and I, I want to like kind of toe dance this just a little bit because it's a weird discussion and a tough one to have on a fantasy basketball show, but I am Jewish. I think most people that listen to this show know that about me, so I don't know if it necessarily means that what happened, like, my opinion means more, but it does feel like it m- finally, my opinion means something, where in a lot of these topics, it, I think it's best for me to just keep my mouth shut. This one does sort of apply to me a little bit. I actually feel okay about how this thing is now being handled that the, I thought the checklist was kind of dumb. Like if you force somebody to do a whole bunch of things, it becomes this weird process that doesn't mean anything. They just like check a few boxes, get back into the game and everybody forgets about it. If he really has, as everybody's saying, taken ownership of it and is doing things on his own to understand why the decisions he made were hurtful, then I'm okay with it. But that's just me. It's one man's personal opinion. I got yelled at on Twitter for having such an opinion. That's fine. You can have yours as well. I'm actually okay with him coming back on Sunday. Uh, And obviously, if you held him in fantasy, that's great for you. What do you do with Kyrie right now? Do you try to unload him fantasy-wise and 
like get what you can now that he's coming back? Do you expect this to be the last thing of the year, or do you think there's going to be the next one three weeks down the line? This is like, hey, getting ahead of Kyrie Irving. Tell me know what's. <laughs> let me know what's going on. I, uh, well, so I thought KD's comments. First of all, KD had a great interview that appeared to go multiple sites. Like he had one with Chris Haynes. He had one with Anscape. Um, hey, busy man. I thought his, <laughs> I think he was pissed off. That game was crazy. I mean, it was the Kings game. It was 153 points. And oh, yeah, I, I knew with him. I got to put through a comment on the screen like while you're doing possession. that here. Sorry. It was a relevant comment. Oh, me, I got to get the screen up. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, pull, I'm somewhere. Pull the screen up and then launch back into Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think it's super cool. I, I mean, I can see it getting like played out at some point, um, but I've already got ideas. I think they should aim the laser at something. Um, I think that they could bring in multiple lasers. I think that they could draw laser images in the sky, you know, like slamps and dunking on somebody. I think <laughs> they're going to do these things. if you've not been there or seen pictures, I, I just, I, the possibilities are endless. And that's one of the things about the Kings, like, to say what you say about the basketball side or whatever, you know, the past or whatever's going on there, but like the business ops is super good. And um, so, you know, credit to them for what is really, and I'm surprised nobody else did this, but maybe it's a Sacramento to, um, you know, be that It's a outlier. little more baseball-y. That, You're a baseball so, guy. And don't you feel like that type, like having a, mm-hmm. like a victory celebration, like a routine, a thing, you see that in baseball a lot. They have all got their things they do when they get a hit on first base. Every team has their little, Dodgers did the head knock and other teams do the little hang loose. And you don't see that as much in basketball. They, they have like a thing. Have a little bit of fun. I mean, yes. baseball with the unwritten rules, like, I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But Sorry. Anyway, continue. They, uh, I know it's so it's dumb, but like, uh, yeah, no, the Kings, um, that, that whole area, the outdoor area surrounding the arena, first of all, if, I mean, you're seeing the Kings play 500 ball and the town is, over the moon right now with the Kings. And so if they ever get top four seed status, I mean, you're going to have to like shut your Twitter off because, you know, they're just going <laughs> to get real loud um, yeah. and unruly, I might add. Um, with, the, with the I told the I told you so's from the Kings right now, or the Kings people are, are really great after 15 years of consecutive getting it wrong. Dude, but all you had to do was fire that. Luke Walton. Told y'all from the and first I got day guys on my timeline talking about how 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 crazy like people are for not respecting the Kings and they literally couldn't figure out that Luke Walton couldn't coach. We did a show the day they hired him. Do you remember that? And you were like, I didn't watch that many Lakers games. What 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 should I what should we expect in Kingsland? And I was like, it you're gonna be in for a train wreck. Simple as that. He's an awful, I, I awful mean, coach. And I it's just I don't know. There's there's different universes, Dan. There's like the gambling and fantasy yes. universe where everybody's super dialed into all the, the 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 particulars about NBA basketball, and then there's like other, and they take forever to figure out Luke Walton can't coach. And then at the end of seeing three years of Luke Walton not coaching, well, they're like, it wasn't Luke Walton's fault. It was this other thing. Yeah, anyway, clearly. Um, I mean, I only just Kyrie. I only just took the under every year that Luke was the Kings head coach and it hit every year. And the second they let him go, I made the over my biggest wager of the off season. That was it. That's all I needed to see. It's I, vibes I, I town. Made the Pellies. I made the Pellies my biggest wager. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. I actually took the old win total. They look pretty good. 
But you asked about Kyrie. Yes, Kyrie. Sorry. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. We had, we didn't do a show last week. So we had, I, I we mean, got, who knows? Maybe they're, maybe they're, 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 you know, they're, they're brothers of arms. I don't know. Um, the Kyrie situation, I, I thought KD, so I was bringing up KD. I thought, you know, like, I guess this isn't even fantasy stuff, but KD, you know, he's like, I'm not going to tell another guy how to think. And, and I think that that is sort of at the core of what you're talking about, like with the checklist and how this is really, you know, you can see the players association is upset about the length of the suspension and how it's been handled. And, and Kyrie put Joe Sy, who's no angel in this position, I think of having a checklist, a PR move to say, Hey, we're not going to take you seriously, Kyrie, until you do these things. And then Kyrie largely has done those things. And really that's all you can ask of another human being is to say, I'm sorry. And what are you going to do to fix it? And if they're demonstrating that you kind of got to take them at their word. And if he comes back and burns everybody and posts another video tomorrow, that'll be the end. You know, everybody will be like, sorry, we don't believe you anymore. Yeah. You know, you're kind of done. And that to now get into the fantasy side, I think that might control the discussion is you've been hit with a last, 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 last chance now. And your Good value point. is absolutely cratered. So in terms of dictating what you want to do with the rest of your career, if you want to play basketball, if you want to go to a good situation, you better just buck up and do really well. So I'm not, I'm probably not selling Kyrie. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that I'm, does I'm, make a lot of sense bad right now. You're making a lot of sense it's, right now. <laughs> that terrifies me. You made me get into the head of Kyrie Irving, man. And I am not good with that. Yeah. I, well, I, you... I, it's, it's, it's a journey, man. I don't know if anybody watches the uh, Harley yeah, Quinn no, cartoon on HBO, but there are a bunch oh. of segments where they go inside people's heads, and uh, this feels like Ooh. a lot of that. It's good. It's a good. It's a. It's a very raunchy, disgusting well, cartoon. And also I recommend look at that it. Team. So yeah. Okay. Problematic. Um, uh, noted. Noted. Um, the. So they look terrible. Like. A team that, and he, you know, Vaughn mentioned that, you know, maybe LA came with them. And it's like, okay, did they all get wasted in LA? Because they sure look Pro- like it. Probably. They didn't, like Malik Monk's a 40% three point shooter, and they're just like five feet off the guy. Hey, shoot, Malik Monk. We heard you can't do it. You know, that's, um, so I think when you see that stuff, I think the point I was trying to lightly say to the Kings fans, I didn't want to rain on their parade. They're on national TV for the first time in forever, and they're scoring 153 points, and it feels great, and the beams lighting up, and it's like, by the way, that team you guys beat, a, a bunch of third graders could have beat them. And, you know, keep it in context when, when you, you know, make your evaluations going forward. Um, but that team, I think, is waiting for Kyrie to return. So you might just see the, the Nets get Kyrie back, have a kumbaya moment, and just hit the gas and run. And I'm not a big Nets guy. I don't believe in that team. And then you got the Ben Simmons stuff and all that. And it's, it's a total mess over there. But I think Kyrie might just come, you know, shoot out of a bottle. And then the question at that point, you might do the reverse sell high or whatever. We call it. <laughs> I love that. The reverse buy low. It's so mysterious. This is doing an inception you know, over here. Yeah. I, I was like, well, well, the reverse buy low. What does that even mean? It's a magical <laughs> place. Uh, let's get to some of the broad questions from the chat room. You guys know, I'll, I'll I'll do this little spiel again. If you have a question that's like, should I trade this player for this player? I'm probably going to jump over it. And if we have time, I'll come back. But I want to hit the stuff that applies to as many people watching as possible. 
Uh, and before I do that, this is a mid-show reminder. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, at Aaron Bruski on Twitter, at Ethos Fantasy BK. I should probably have put that somewhere on this graphic. Uh, that's where you can get your news feed. Hit the thumbs up button on the dang thing. More people then can find the show. You can subscribe to our YouTube page. We're going to, I mean, you grab those of you that have already subscribed have seen it. We're adding shows. Seems like every week we have an extra show here on our YouTube page, and we're just going to keep adding until we can't add no more. So uh, subscribe, hey, like, you know the thing. Running it? What's that? Did you, YouTube have, did YouTube have a weirdo running the company? Not, well, I don't know. Maybe. It. Possibly. Every single day. <laughs> it's possible. I don't know it, though, so maybe I think not. maybe we should do some more YouTube stuff, Dan. Like, it seems like it makes sense right about now. Yeah, nobody has dramatically changed the way it works in the last week. So that's... So that's something. Every every button that I pushed today did the same thing on YouTube as when I pushed that button a week ago. It's a low bar. Congrats, YouTube. Yeah, setting a low bar. You're the um, social platform of the week. This is a pretty good question, actually. It's strategic. You get into sort of the, the Roto strategy side. Um, in a Roto league, do you use... I got to read these. Sorry, I know video folks, you can see it yourself. I'm reading it for the folks listening on the podcast format. Do you use a slot for super streams, which is a term that I've brought into the lexicon here this year? Uh, basically, meaning the super streams are guys that were not Roto Games Cap worthy prior to someone getting knocked out in front of them. Uh, our, our question asker here says, I was and am doing it with Dennis Smith Jr., I did it in the past, pre Lamella Ball campaign here with CP3 out. So these are guys that were, Payne in particular, was nowhere near fantasy value. And then Chris Paul went down, and he has rocketed past the ad line. My answer to this question is a resounding yes. I play in a lot of Roto Daily Leagues where these types of guys, campaign right now, is playing better than the last guy on my bench prior to CP3 getting hurt. So particularly with the average player missing like 14 games a year right now, you can have a couple of roster slots on a Roto team occupied by these types of guys, and they'll probably be better than the 12th best guy on your team. So for me, this is a hard yes, Brew. I don't know where you sit with this. I know a lot of your big money leagues yeah, are no, weekly I Roto. You, yeah, that's. I, I kind of wonder what you've done to the Roto industry, Dan, because like, are there more people playing Roto Games Caps League now that, you're you're so into them and like the the super stream streamer and then even like i mean the way we talk about ads and drops like i understand in in that format you're shooting for top 75 so if somebody's not producing top 75 value in that format you know they're not as valuable um and i don't know what is the mark in your leagues generally speaking like when you want to get a guy in your lineup are you taking a top 100 a top 115 I really think when we talk about this stuff, we got to almost lead with what plays in your league. Is it top 75? In my weekly league, 150 and 75 plays. You know, it just depends on, is it three games, four games? And, and to answer your question about, do I add somebody like that? There's two scenarios. One, my team is stacked and I don't need one week players. Yeah, there got a bunch of injured guys, you know, like I got a team that's got like Cam, Bain, you know, and, and can't remember off the top of my head who might be the other players. So like in that situation, Cameron Payne, 
feeling back. Long ago, since like I have to tell you, it comes down to do you need to take on little internet? We got a slight internet glitch. I don't know if it's on my end or your end. We lost you. We lost you towards the end of the campaign uh, part of that thing, but we can. It looks like you're you're mobile again on the video. So that that very end, I think, is what cut off. I don't know if you remember the last two ish sentences you said. Yeah, no. If you if if if, if your team is healthy in a weekly format, you're not going to take a super streamer because you know that you're not going to need it. If if you got holes in your lineup, go for it. But then if you're in a daily games cap situation and you need to get that top seventy five, you know, yeah, the super streamer is the way to go. Got it. Um, so this is for, not so much the question itself, like as a, a weekend play, uh, but DeAnthony Melton as a whole, he's had kind of a weird season so far where he had a few quiet games off the bench and it seemed like he figured out how to play with the bench unit and then everybody got hurt and he slid into the starting unit where it didn't seem like his fit was actually all that great. And then they slid him back to the bench. So, uh, what are we expecting, hoping whatever out of Melton here over the next, I don't know, week or two? I didn't get I didn't get over the moon with Melton. I know we were still ahead of everybody else, but you know, like it was great. You can get out of Memphis. They had plans with other players. They never really gave him a shot. He still did well. And then you're like, okay, great, that's awesome. And then you go, okay, I'm going to Philly, you know, and thinking you got Joel Embiid, you got James Harden, you got then after that even more, um, you know, players. And it's like, okay, it's still going to be that inconsistent offensive role, defense rebounding you know, big explosive games followed by quiet games that still pass the 150 muster. You know, it's, it's the, the, the money counting stats, steals, blocks, threes that, that keep him sustainable during those, those slow outings, but it's not the explosion. It's like, if he could go play in like San Antonio or, or Oklahoma city or another place that's really going to just let him have the ball and learn, he needs to learn how to find his own offense in a better better fashion if he can do that you're looking at a guy that could theoretically down the road go like 15 5 and 5 with the goodies so um that's uh that's not happening this year but again i don't have his number up in front of me right now but he's just fine right now and if you go to add him it's a long-term play and i think he'll just continue to improve i think his his peak is probably coming like next season the season after that um, so you know that the the improvement will slowly be there over these next couple seasons. And you just hope that he gets more comfortable. They love his defense, I'll tell you that much. Like, internally, they're very happy with him, and it's just a question of, you know, can he get better offensively? Number 86 right now, by the way, for uh, for Melton. Uh, another player yeah, that's it, been... It feels like a worst-case scenario right now. This is an interesting one because he's been all over the map and Tom Thibodeau has been doing his weird stuff. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, I, did you watch much of that last ball game? He was out on the floor, but it just seemed like they didn't pass it to him. The like rebounds didn't go his way. It was very weird, and he's had a couple of quieter ones despite getting back into the starting lineup. Uh, he's another guy, by the way. He's at 96 right now, so he's still very much inside the should-he-play bucket. But what the hell's going on the last week or two? I, I, I've watched enough Hartenstein to there's probably been about like five of those games I've watched where it's like ball doesn't go his way. Nobody passes to him. He's just hiding on the floor, um, which is not typical Hartenstein. We've known him for his permanent value. 
and um, you know how how he's been able to sustain value in like 19 minutes per game. So um, one thing that I thought was interesting looking at that box score, I, I I need to coin a term. I think is like box score health. So let's let's coin it right now, Dan. Box score health, and the reason why I bring that up is like sometimes you'll look at a box score and you'll either know exactly how the game went or you'll look at it and you'll go, that game just goes right into the gutter. You, you don't even evaluate it because nobody in the game, and it's not usually for, for both teams, nobody in that game minus Julius Randle had a good yeah. box score. I mean, I might be missing like one guy. That tells you something about, I mean, it, it could almost be like the statistician sometimes. And Denver's had a few of these. So that's something if you're a DFS player, I, I would probably be looking to see if there's a trend there. Denver had a game, they had zero steals and blocks and zero turnovers for their entire starting unit. And all those guys played like 30 minutes per game. So I, I, I think there's there's a, um, a box score or health issue for this one particular game, but I can't fade that guy. Like, honestly, like Mitchell, his injury situation is it's been dire for like a full year. So that alone provides the potential for the upside. But even if he cruises at 19 minutes or whatever he's at, you know, in a backup role, I think the stats, I think he just comes as a top 100 guy, you know, and, and if you're in a head to head situation and you feel like those, the value of the percentages isn't helping you. If, you know, there's not enough pop, if it doesn't fit your team build, I get it, you know, but in a vacuum, those values do make him a seventh round player, you know, and, and that's got value seventh, eighth round player. That's got value. So um, you have to be pretty stacked to want to, to want to look that, look at that and move on. So this is not, I'm, we're not going to answer this exact question. Um, the question is, is about a trade, but it involves Larry Nance. That's the name that I wanted to get into our discussion today. He's looked awesome so far this year. I'm always waiting for the injury shoe to drop with him. You know how much I love Larry Nance. He's been like one of my top targets for multiple years on the Roto side because those injuries don't burn you quite as much. But, you know, he's in their closing lineup. Uh, JV had a big ball game yesterday, so that kind of pushed Nance down the board a little bit, and he still was okay in like 19 minutes. What do you think we're getting out of Nance? Is he a rest-of-season dude? Because it sure feels like it right now. Yes, he's a rest of the season dude. Like you got to treat him that way. There's you can't get around that. The the potential that's why we've been tracking him for so long. The potential for him to be this good has always been there. Um it's interesting that JV has taken the step back and they've really moved to this super long and mobile lineup Zion. That's the big wild card I think. You know, when he's on the floor, how do things turn? But like, just I think Nance creates this this dynamic presence for their team where they have so many good athletes flying around doing stuff that it just makes them really good. And I think you're going to see more Nance rather than less Nance. And then the injury stuff is what it is. So you're always kind of getting out of the, the Larry Nance business when it's good because that injury is almost always right around the corner. So I think you're probably planning for him to have a week, two weeks of good games, and then just get that on the market and, and see what you can get for it. By the way, I found a question from Josh that that ties back to our other discussion on on streamers. 
Dan, you've talked a lot about how many A-plus streaming opportunities there have been this year, and there have been quite a lot of them. Is there value in having an open roster spot for streaming rather than a roster full of undroppables? Well, I mean, my take on this one is if your roster's stuffed, then you don't need a streamer. You know, it's sort of your question kind of answered itself a little bit. I just find that if you've got 14 or 15 slots on a roster, one of those guys is probably droppable for any any one number of reasons. It's pretty rare to have 15 guys that are all rest of season just kicking butt dudes. What I sense in this question and other questions is like, is there a strategy in the aggregate to just totally eschew the in a vacuum evaluation? In a value, in a vacuum evaluation is that like, let's say a Kong Wu who's, you know, at like 120, 130, and it just feels like that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Is he better than Clint Capella? Yes. Is Capella playing well right now? Yes. Is, you know, like, you know, you're just, just like, uh, it doesn't look that good, you know? Yeah, there's value. There's a, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if that switches and, you know, Kong was a top 75 guy. Should I be taking the campaigns and the Tory Craigs and these guys that you're just not that excited about, but in the now, they're going to be productive and you just do it long-term and you don't care, you know? And can you eke out 20, 30% more value than you know, having all of these guys who are better assets in a vacuum, but you're going to have that one slot and just sort of give it away um, to this concept. I think the answer is yes, but I think it's like a couple bad moves and, and you probably miss out on a guy that you would have wanted. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's a really theoretical question where yeah. know, we're not going to get an answer in, in, in this show, <laughs> but I, I think, you, you do, and and then what you talked about, Dan, is like, who actually gets into your lineup? And if you really want to take it a step further, how do the stats of the people that you're talking about complement your team? It's like three different variables. That's why the ad drop discussion in um, fantasy basketball is really, it's it's complicated, it's nuanced, and and I like to just call for more nuance when we talk about this stuff, you know, in blurbs, tweets, you know, because like ad drop like for which team yeah for which format you know for what what plays in your league it's hard i mean it's the value of having a video or an audio show where we can get a little bit at least more in depth in a couple of minutes as opposed to you know 200 characters we did the beneficiary notes like you know sort of the pitch man over here that's why we did beneficiary notes is because in, in in the blurb land you're trying to get the info out fast it's more general and you can't get into the deep analysis of like, what's the usage here? What's this here? You know, and, and if you go to our injury page for premium members, our guys who are the best in the business, and I mean, some of the best writing I've ever seen, they will go for these key injuries, these key situations where the minutes and the usage and everything's fluctuating. They write a damn essay, you know, about what is exactly going on. So now you can go with your super unique situation and get in there and really figure it out so just go to the injury page which by the way you guys got a bookmark especially now that you know roto world decided that their top nine draft picks weren't worth keeping around <laughs> um, and Oy. that you know have that injury page up because it's updated with all the most latest stuff and you know when you sit down at three thirty pacific time and you're trying to figure out your lineup 
there's one page you can go to that has not just the injuries, but if you're a premium member, you get this in-depth analysis and you can just make moves. We are uh, not out of time, but we are somewhat short on time. So I think we can get into one, maybe two more players on this board that I know people want to hear Bruce thoughts on. Again, a reminder, please do like and subscribe. That's the thing that we say here on the YouTube. Hit the like button, subscribe to our YouTube page. What are we going to do? Which way is Dan going to go towards the end here? Um, There's one that I've been getting a fair number of questions on. What's up with Jordan Poole? He had this one gigantor game glad, with Clay yeah, out. I, yeah. I feel like I don't, you know, the, I haven't had enough time with the RSI and blah, blah, blah to, to talk on Twitter or, um, you know, anywhere really. Poole is just fascinating. I'm wondering, Dan, should we institute a rule that if somebody gets knocked the F out, that they become <laughs> like almost undraftable? Yeah. I mean, I'm, did, okay, did... I'm in on Jordan Poole. Like, guys, guys, I'm not giving up on Jordan Poole. He was a big B-150 guy. The principles behind that, I won't even... If, if it doesn't go well, I'm not going to feel bad about this one. But he looks so shook, confidence-wise. It's just hard not to just take it back to getting knocked the F out. Everybody saw it. You know, now he's got to play with the guy. And he can't just go walk up to him and fight again. You know, he's going to lose. You know, it, he's got to give it up in some way. You know, he's got to take his L, which is an unfair, cheap, dirty L that he got. And that's why Steve Kerr is the biggest catastrophe, drama, you know, disaster that he's seen in his nine, ten years of coaching that team. And so we saw it with Nico Miritich. Like, once he was healthy, he wasn't the guy we thought he was. And he was that guy. So, like, we had a ton of Nico that year. We were going to cash in, and it was just taken off the board because he got knocked the F out. And it's – so, anyway. Don't remind like, me. Man, that, that one's – I don't want to talk about – it stings. The mirror to – Oh. It was brutal because, like, you got him in whatever slot, 9, 10, and you're expecting top 50 production, and you're building your teams around it. And in the first week or whatever, you know, that happens. Um with Poole, like, so they're already worried internally about Steph Curry doing too much. Clay will be a year-long reclamation project to get him his confidence back. Dre is not somebody they're relying on for offense. They don't want to run these guys into the ground. The only reasonable thing that they could have done entering the season is say, hey, the guy we paid a ton of money to, go and carry us when the games don't matter and do what you do. And he hasn't done any of that. He's passed up shots left and right. They've completely shook him with the palming, carrying, traveling thing. He's literally the most targeted player in the league right now on that front. Um, there's an argument to be made that he was getting open because of the, the palming and the carrying, but not to that degree. This is a guy that didn't forget how to shoot. He's a guy who shot better at free throws than Steph Curry. You know, he's he's got elite shooting talent that just doesn't go away. Um, I think that he's trying to kind of fit in, please his teammates. Uh, I think that the record for the Warriors is going to be, you know, always kind of dogging them until they go on. And here's what I think will happen with the Warriors. I think that they're going to, and they're kind of right around 500 right now. They're going to go on like a 12-game winning streak. It's probably going to occur in like, you know, mid-December to mid-January. 
everybody's going to shut up at that point. And then they'll start to kind of gear down for the final decline before the playoffs. And in that run, Jordan Poole is going to probably have his max usage, see the bounce back on all the percentages stuff. And they don't have anybody else to do what he's needed to do. So to me, it's like, if you bet against Jordan Poole right now, you're essentially saying he's not going to get his confidence back all year long. And I just, that to me would be, that, 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 if that happens, I will never draft a player who gets knocked the F out ever again. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good possible rule, rule, actually. It's brand, add it to the, add be, it to the I handicap, mean, man. That's like poo poo the idea that like, I get it. He sucks right now, but yeah, he got I the comp. trying to lean into that. You, what could you get Jordan Poole for? We're getting people right if he should be dropped. Yeah. You could almost like offer like a one fifth top one fifty guy. Yeah. You know, a top one twenty five guy. I he just keep thinking like fifty. This whole discussion now reminds me of like how George Foreman used to pitch the 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 grill that he was like gonna punch the fat out of food. I feel like these players are having their the basketball players are having the the their shot punched right out yeah. of them, Monstars style. But yeah, Draymond, Draymond, Bobby Portis, you guys are breaking our fantasy hearts here. Stop punching people. Oh well. At least Bobby Portis became good at fantasy. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. I'll Dre. never, I'll never forgive him taking my Nico away. I was, I. You remember for like a year, I made jokes that I was that I rented a van and I had I had traveled. I was just gonna like follow Nico Miritich around to convince him to come back I, to know, the you're, NBA. You're, you're you're calling them jokes, Dan, but I, I watched you do it. So oh right, you know the paper trail. You should probably have a restraining <laughs> order at this point. I got rid of the van. I do it on a razor. I, I just watched the episode of Breaking Bad last night of where they get rid of the RV. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I just I chase Nico around on a bird scooter now. Um, that'll that'll do it for us on YouTube, Brew. Until next week, good sir. Toodles. That was the inimitable Aaron Brewski, and that was our Thursday show. We invite all of you listening here on the podcast to join us live on YouTube. Probably not on Thanksgiving Day, but we'll see if we can get something going next week at some point. Uh, but certainly most Thursdays throughout this season, we'll have our live show. It'll be me and Brew anytime schedules connect. I think we've done a decent job of that so far. I think we only missed just the one last week, right? I think that was it. Um, we're not going to do a full Wednesday recap on this podcast. I wanted to really get into sort of the biggest storylines with the big dog. We have our uh, my social media stuff. We do you know quick hits and things of that nature. Hop on over there. We already gave you the, the Twitter handle a thousand times. Please do drop a five-star review on the pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we will see you over there uh, for our next live show. As far as this podcast is concerned, tomorrow we'll have our Friday Week in Review episode. That's always a fun one. And, of course, that'll give us an opportunity to talk about some of the stuff that happened here, uh, or rather last night uh, on the big Wednesday card that we didn't get into with Brewski today. For Aaron, I am Dan. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great one, everybody.